0: Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 317. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey, I
1: know that. <laughs> uh,
0: this week on the show, we'll be talking about Kalikala's Black Mother. We'll also be talking about someone watching on the watch list and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you.
0: I think that we can hop right into our review. I don't really have anything noteworthy to add as far as housekeeping.
1: I just want to say one thing just to kind of give you behind the scenes access to this show and the making of the show. There's another movie. There was some discussion of covering called Starfish, right? Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to watch that today. I had... Like a lot of time where I was like, I could sit down and watch Starfish so we could discuss two movies. But then I remembered that I had Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh boy. And I said, I'm not watching Starfish. You know what? And
0: I don't blame
1: you. I made a a great decision.
0: We'll come back to both of those movies later on because I did watch Starfish.
1: Okay. You can let me know if I made the right decision.
0: Uh, Well, spoiler, you did. <laughs> I had a feeling. Uh, So Black Mother, as I said, this is directed by Kalika Law. I have a synopsis here. From red light districts to lush rainforests, Black Mother is a loving and lyrical ode to Jamaica and its people. A, a visual poem that is at once deeply felt love letter and ecstatic street corner prayer. So, Kevin. You are a, I believe you're a fan of this director. Yes.
1: Correct. Now he's only, Very much so.
0: he's only done a few other things. I would, I would be interested in seeing his, uh, his Papa Wu documentary that he came out with in 2010.
1: I did not know that. Yeah. not know that he did.
0: Yeah. He, he worked with the, the Wu Tang, I guess it's, he did a, an adventure into the mind of Papa Wu, the patriarch of the world-renowned rap group Wu-Tang Clan.
1: Yeah. Well, I know, like, the, even this movie and his other movies, I think he works with uh, someone from the Wu-Tang. Yeah. Uh, um the
0: The producer. Um, uh, I can't. Fourth,
1: Dis- Fourth Disciple? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to say Fourth Disciple.
0: It is. Yeah, you're right. He He's the producer on a lot of the Wu-Tang stuff.
1: So I also want to say um, because it always throws me off. Because in his movies, uh, intermittently and periodically, it's not a lot, but he, you know, you'll hear his voice in there, and
0: he sounds exactly like RZA. He's like, yes, yeah. I said the exact same thing as I was watching this. <laughs> it doesn't happen a lot, like you said. Like he doesn't, he doesn't really put himself in at least in this movie a lot but when you do hear him very rarely I, I, he sounds exactly like Riza
1: yes it's a very distinct voice and i like i every time my brain just immediately goes Rizza. it's Riza yep <laughs> pretty sure it's Riza <laughs> i think this is all some sort of joke it's all a ruse yeah this is just Riza this is an alter ego
0: Maybe, I mean, I, I haven't seen any pictures of him, so I don't know. No, I
1: have, but in his first movie, he, he interjected himself mm. a bit more what he does here.
0: I think, um, did I read that some of this movie has home video footage of him? Yeah.
1: And that's, and that's really the only time, like, if you're not uh, familiar with the last uh, documentaries, is the biggest thing going is the visuals and the audio like never match. Right.
0: right. So, okay. So let's, let's just take a quick step back and sort of give an overview of, of this documentary. So it is, as the synopsis states, it's sort of a love letter to Jamaica and it's people and it's, it's uh history. And the way that he portrays this is, as you said, it is a series of, I guess you would call them vignettes or just a lot of really strong visual sequences that, uh, also have narration. So he interviews people that he meets and, but none of the interviews are in sync with the visuals. So it's like two separate things. It's a, it's a really it's an audio visual journey that's happening. If I I thought about this as I was watching it, you could just listen to the movie without watching any, any bit of it. And it's, it'd be like listening to a podcast or something. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't necessarily have to see it, but then when you incorporate the visuals, it sort of takes on its own, a completely different, uh, life when you marry the the narrative uh the audio narrative with the the visual almost experimental or like abstract visuals that are happening
1: on the yeah. screen because it really like the visuals are i mean it's really just montage mm-hmm. yeah it's just it's just um, it's just like you know like 77 minutes of montage and i was thinking about this and the thing I like about this, because you do have, like, the, the the audio is just him interviewing people. You don't hear his side. It's just mostly people either telling a story or recounting something, just, you know, whatever. And so what what you have there is just kind of a a basic talking head doc or what could be in, in the hands of, you know, a lesser director. But here you have this you couple it to this montage of just all these visuals and you can just pack so much in cause you can just pack in all the visuals that you have of Jamaica. And it just makes it that much more interesting because you can't really tune out of the, whoever's talking because you might miss something because it's, you know, it's, it's these portraitures and then there's these landscape shots And then there's just like walking through either the market or the city or he's out in the country you never know what you're going to see. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, too, because sometimes
0: the audio complements the visuals where the two the two will be very closely married. And I think that there's actually one point at the end where the audio is in sync with the with uh, there was a guy talking and i'm pretty sure that it was in sync for like one of those little moments but so sometimes they really complement one another and then sometimes they sort of contrast each other like when they'll be talking about something specific and what we're seeing is sort of um in a lot of ways a contrast so they could be talking about the like colonialism or something and or or like prostitution or something one of the more negative aspects of jamaica and we could be seeing these like beautiful you know vistas and stuff yeah so in that regard it, it works really really interestingly like i i i was really taken with the uh the structure of this movie
1: yeah and it's it's just it it has a weird way of just like pulling you in because it's kind of, it's kind of off kilter, like it's it's, the way in the way in which that it is abstract, like it lets you, it's almost welcoming you to just kind of like drift off. But at the same time, it completely captivates you because you, you might miss something because there might be just some visual that pops up for like a second or two Mm -hmm. and you might never see it again. You know, so you kind of you're for me, at least I'm like I'm transfixed to the screen, but I'm also like kind of drifting away at the same moment Mm -hmm. because it is it is the way it's set up. is just this this, like it's oddly soothing where you just you hear from the people of Jamaica, which is my favorite thing about this movie and his first movie where uh, they're kind of like city symphonies. Now the first one, yes, because it's Harlem, and you know it's told through the people, and here it's more of like you know an overview of a country, but it's told by the people of the country, right? Which makes it far more interesting.
0: I was a little concerned at first, like after maybe the first fifteen minutes, when I realized like, oh okay, this is this is how this is structured. This is what the movie is. I was like concerned about finding it to be like losing my interest or start to become frustrating. But the, the thing that he sort of does to combat that uh, other than the runtime, which is, as you said, it's less than an hour and a half. Um, so it's, it's a pretty brisk runtime. Uh, he mixes up the, the visuals in, how he shoots them. So there's like, man, so many mediums at use here in this movie. So like, there'll be one scene that's done on, uh, like eight millimeter. And then he'll switch it to like a, like a digital, like a high eight, uh, kind of crappy digital look. And then all of a sudden we're in this like full screen, like beautiful high definition, yeah, very high quality look and the idea that he mixes up all of these different cameras, uh, really, really, um, I thought was awesome. Yeah.
1: It keeps things really interesting really fresh and it almost, I don't know if he's doing this, uh, on purpose, but it's, it almost seems like he's catering to the, the new attention span. people's attention spans are really really short and it's just like it's a different medium you know it's either handheld and then he's also got a a bunch of drone footage in there and then like you said you know he's doing a hand crank bolex camera and then it's super high definition and then you got home video stuff in there and the you the the topics are always changing the visuals are always changing. It could be in the city. It could be out in the country. And even for, you know, the the runtime, which I think is like 70-something, 70 70-plus 70 minutes. But And it feels really, really short. It's a brisk movie. But at the same time, there's so much stuff covered in this movie. There's a ton of topics.
0: Right. Uh, so it he goes through like essentially pretty much every major topic of Jamaica. So he goes over the history. He goes over uh, the stuff that they eat, religion problems within the cities, like the, the, um, the disparity between uh, wealth in the nation. He goes over the, uh, how prostitution is so pervasive uh, marijuana like all of these different aspects of the country and he just sort of dives into each each one of them and it it's it's really fascinating uh like you said especially because we're hearing it from the locals it's this isn't some like stuffy um a documentary where you have like a narrator just going over bullet points or anything like that these are like real world experiences that we're witnessing.
1: Yeah. And I also love the his because of his photography background, his his uh like his portraitures that he does. Oh yeah. So like almost everyone that he talks to he's just he's just getting them, just capturing their essence. And there's never and he doesn't shy away from Capturing everyone, you know, there's a couple like the guy with the goiter on the back of his neck. You yeah, know, and the and guy, like yeah, had, the guy
0: before that, too, looked he, he he had had like a, a
1: of, hole in his face. He had a
0: lot of medical issues, that guy. Yeah,
1: and I mean, he captures all of them exactly the same. It's they're all captured in this very like loving way where he's just he seems fascinated by everything. And it like to him, there's like, it almost feels like there's no negative aspects to him at all. Everything's just absolutely fascinating and beautiful to him. And he can't, you know, help but just get his camera in there.
0: Yeah. I thought, I thought overall it was, it was like a really, really fascinating journey. The only thing that's, that somewhat bothered me, major nitpick here. This is like such. I don't even know why I'm mentioning it because it's it's really a non-issue. But there were several times when, like during the interviews, he would add this like echo onto the end of whatever like sentence they were saying. So like oh, okay. the, so like the final word that they would say would be echoed for a little bit. And for some reason, I thought that
1: that was not very good. Like I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't mind that. I didn't mind that because to me it it kind of gave me this feel of like like documentary film as mixtape type thing. Going yeah, on. yeah, I could see that. Which I could get in, I could get into. I could definitely. But like I think that I think my, my I think my favorite thing is when they have because there's a lot of there's a lot of singing throughout. Uh, you know, people just kind of singing hymns, and there's one with the kids. And it's, you know, it starts out and it's just kind of this nice hymn being sung by a family and some kids. And then you can tell the kids kind of get, they're not as interested in it anymore. And they just start like screaming the words instead oh, yeah. of singing them. <laughs>
0: yeah, but that, that was funny.
1: <laughs> uh, I did enjoy that. I could have used a little bit of a deeper
0: exploration into the music because I, I felt like he, he touched on it and certainly uh i think a couple of the people talked about music but it seems like that that is such an integral part of jamaican culture that i thought that he would spend more time looking at the the, yeah. the music of the nation but i mean you you still have plenty of uh music in it
1: i think it i think he does do a really good job because he he covers so much or at least you know, the people that he talks to cover so much that he does a really good job of just kind of being this, this guide of piquing your interest, you know, with this, like just kind of cursory mm-hmm. introduction. Yeah. Like just to get, just to see what lights you up for you to go out and kind of look into it yourself.
0: Yeah. Like he kind of starts things off with people talking about the, the birth of the nation. And then he ends the movie with uh this, this funeral sequence. And I read in the, you sent me an interview, a a really interesting interview with him in film comment. And they talk about how the film is uh, structured like three trimesters of a pregnancy, Mm -hmm. which I didn't, uh, I mean, looking after reading that, I'm like, Oh yeah, that does make sense. But at the time I wasn't really thinking that as I was watching it.
1: What did you think was happening
0: when she was like first trimester? (laughs) I just, I thought that that was sort of just a through line, like where we were were periodically coming back to her throughout her her Um, pregnancy. I didn't necessarily think that the content held within each of those acts was representative of
1: a trimester. I gotcha. Okay, okay. Yeah, which which is really interesting the way that he does structure it. You know, like the first trimester just kind of being like the the formation of the country and like the religion and churches, fruits. And he talks about like the water and everything. And there's just that weird digression, which I guess there is something going on with like China kind of coming into the to the country. But there's this weird like sidebar about Chinamen and their drinks yeah. They have all that footage and that was a bit that was a bit something.
0: <laughs> yeah, they they're they're very, <laughs> was, they're very concerned about people coming in and selling like canned drinks and stuff.
1: Which is if that's the only downside of doing this with the you know kind of like locals giving you this information because I'm like is that like a big thing? that they're worried about, or is it just this guy? Right. We're just talking to one guy that his whole fucking life is these, you know, the Chinamen and their drinks. Yeah. And no one else really cares. You don't know. Really?
0: I I think it's probably that like he, he would be like the alt-right guy, like the incel. Yeah. He'd be like, if you came to America and we're interviewing people, he'd be like the one incel that they interview where it's like, eh, his opinions don't necessarily represent <laughs> that of the nation as a whole. Uh, I let, I-, I felt that the, the segment about um, women bleaching their skin was really fascinating and how they look at beauty.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they touch on so many,
0: so things. many topics, a lot of religion too. Like they talk about a lot of the religious aspects of the country and how that sort of shaped the nation. It just, yeah, ton, tons of stuff. Tons of stuff to sort of unpack in this movie.
1: Yeah. And it's all in, you know, 70 plus minutes. You're able to get all that in. And it never once felt overwhelming, at least to me. I never felt like I was being bombarded with information where I was like, I can't keep up with this.
0: Yeah. And, and also because it is interviewing people that, that you, he interviews people that live in the country out in the countryside and he interviews people that live in the cities and it's it's a pretty nice like swath of people that live there and it uh it also sort of is it's an eye-opening experience for people that just know Jamaica for like the resorts you know like the <laughs> like the white people resorts that they go Mm -hmm. to there like this is like that's one small subsection of the country that is in no way represents the country as a whole like that's not even like the real jamaica so to have this movie that i think really represents like the the real country and its people i think is is uh it's really really awesome
1: yeah and i think there is I'm almost certain there was only one white person in this movie. There was that one, the preacher guy. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. yeah. I think that I'm pretty sure he was the only one.
0: Mm, yeah. It's the only one I can remember
1: out there in his sandals, <laughs> just preaching away, <laughs> just preaching away,
0: preaching away. I would like to, and I, and I know that he covers a lot and it's, it was impossible to, to, dive into everything but i would like to learn more about the um how the like giant jamaican resorts like what impact that has on the country and what yeah. what the citizens think of that and and like if they think that the that it's it's good that it creates jobs or if it's bad because it's like you know st- stealing away their land or like what what the general consensus is on those like huge resorts that are there yeah overall really solid though i i quite enjoyed it
1: yeah it's just it's just uh it's just a, a like a it's an odd experience i don't know how to put it i mean it's not for everyone i think a lot no it's definitely not you yeah <laughs>
0: I think a lot of a lot of people <clears throat> will have a really hard time uh, accepting the the whole audio being disconnected from the video. I think a lot of people will not be able to handle that.
1: And see that's the thing that I think makes it so great.
0: Yeah, because because uh, imagine if it wasn't like that, right? Like ima- exactly. imagine you had <laughs> imagine you had the same footage but it was just interviewing the act like because, I mean, like we see the people he's interviewing, like we see them. Imagine if yeah. instead of just having them like be dancing in the street or like a, a portrait of them or whatever, like he just interviewed them on the street. It, it just it, wouldn't, I mean. it <laughs> wouldn't work as well. It just wouldn't have the same impact.
1: No, and if you think about it, in lesser hands, and we've how many docs have we seen like this where it's talking head and it's just straightforward camera, yeah, sitting in just a interview in this period, and you just kind of zone out, like, oh my, fucking sitting God, this in like a just keeps talking, and then everything in between those talking head interviews is just like b roll footage. Of like, oh, here's the countryside, yeah, and here's an animal, and then here's the marketplace, and then and now another interview. Or worse yet, You're like, like
0: <laughs> or worse yet, infographics. <laughs> like, have infographics <laughs> with like charts about Jamaica's economy and stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's not, there's not one fucking second of animation in this shit. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Yeah, it's actually, fucking Jamaica. You know, if you want to see a doc about Jamaica you're going to get nothing but Jamaica. Yeah. Thank goodness.
0: And a lot of it is, is absolutely beautiful too. Like a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the scenery, a lot of the shots. Um, whenever he would switch to like the high definition stuff, I would just be like blown
1: away. Like
0: that, that stuff looks so good.
1: All he fucking does the one time is just go down like seven stairs that water's yeah. running down, Oh, and I thought man. it was like the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. It was like a spiritual, <laughs> yeah, the fucking one. journey. <laughs> and I'm like, all he did was walk down some stairs.
0: I'm gonna, I'm gonna like capture just that scene, and I'm gonna put some like new agey, calming, <laughs> like soothing meditation music to it, and just like have that on loop for whenever I'm whenever I'm feeling like stressed out, and just play that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so that's Black Mother. What are you going to give this out of 10?
1: Uh I think I'm going to give it like a Oh, I'm going to it a 9.
0: 9. Wow. It's not a
1: there's not a whole lot that I don't like about it. You know what I mean? Like
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's really uh it, it's really solid. Uh I'm going to mm, I'm going to like an 8 on this. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's it's really great. This is playing in Limited release right now. It's Playing in New York. I don't know if it's playing anywhere else.
1: Probably not. I think
0: it's just New York. Uh, check it out. All right. Let's talk about someone watching on the watch list. I believe it is your turn to go first, Kevin.
1: So I saw it to sleep with anger from 1990 from Charles Burnett. This just recently came out on criterion. Finally been wanting to see this movie for fucking years. And Criterion finally put it out. I think last week that was part of their Criterion channel movie of the week that they're doing until they actually open open. I did not see the Criterion restoration. I saw it's playing on Amazon Prime right now. So I couldn't wait. So watched it on Amazon Prime. And uh, it's pretty phenomenal. Um, I'm always worried about movies like this where I get, like, really amped up to see them. And just years and years go by where I can't see them. And I've already built it up in my head that I absolutely love this movie. Mm-hmm. And then I'm always scared to actually watch it because I'm, I'm so scared that I'm not going to love it. Because I kind of already built that up in my head. And this is one of those rare instances where I was not disappointed. Uh, Danny Glover is fantastic in this movie. He plays, uh, he's like an old friend of the family from the South. That stops by. The family's now living in South Central L.A. And he just pops in, asks if he can stay for a little bit because he's been traveling. He's a bit weary. And uh, he ends up kind of staying indefinitely. Uh, He just, he doesn't really have any other plans. He just wants to hang around. And he starts kind of injecting himself into every facet of this family and the family already has kind of like some phrase in the relationships between, you know, the father and the sons and the mother and the son's wives and stuff. And he just kind of exacerbates those strained relationships and then just kind of wrecks havoc. And but the thing is, is that he's really he's really a good mannered guy. He's, you know, he's really nice. He's really affable. and. You can't really pin anything on him, but at the same time, you know, he's kind of the source of everything because everything went to shit after he arrived and he just kind of has this quiet menace to him, but you know, behind that smile and it just, I mean, it's uh it's pretty fantastic. I'm so happy that I finally got to see this. It
0: sounds fantastic.
1: Yeah. You, you'll love it.
0: Okay. I'll definitely check it out. You said it's on Amazon, right?
1: It was the one Amazon prime. As soon as we're done recording, you can just pop on there and start watching. I might,
0: I might do that. That's uh to sleep with anger from 1990. I'll start with the big one. I saw captain Marvel. Ooh. Uh, so I saw this and the movie was fine. Uh, I didn't hate it. I had a lot of problems with it. The, I thought the end was pretty strong, but everything up until that point was pretty (laughs) mediocre as far as marvel movies goes it's par for the course there there wasn't anything particularly great about it um a lot of the jokes in this one just didn't land they were all like kind of lazy 90s jokes because you know it takes yes. place in the 90s so a lot of a lot of them just didn't really work i mean the theater that i saw it in was just erupting they thought it was so funny like oh computers were so slow and she falls into a blockbuster video and they tell her to go to a radio shack. And it's just like, all right. <laughs> and she like gets this, she has to find clothes cause she's in her like costume and she doesn't fit in. So she like ends up getting a nine inch nails t-shirt and a, a flannel shirt and it's like hey guys it's like they kept reminding us like they had to they had to remind us they couldn't just organically make it look like it was the 90s they had to be like guys remember it's the 90s nine inch nails and the whole the whole soundtrack is filled with 90s music and there's a lot of these sort of needle drop moments where like oh man and then like Play killer '90s music to this montage or whatever, and those were pretty bad. Except for at uh, again at the end, they play they play no doubt during this one really great action scene, and that was like by far the best uh sequence in the in the movie. A lot of people were talking about the cat in this movie. The cat uh, goose. How is the cat? The, the cat. That's the only thing I yeah. care about. So the cat's great. Goose. Yes, he is. The cat's name is Goose. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. And, you know, I'm not even a cat person. And when I started seeing rumblings on Twitter about the cat, I'm thinking, come on. How great can this? It's a cat. How great can it be? Well, the cat's pretty great. Yes. Almost worth it to see Goose. Damn it. I wrote a review for this, but it wasn't like a regular review of the movie. I actually saw this in... Screen X, which is this, I think, relatively new theater format. And um, the the folks at Screen X sent me to a screening in, in this theater. So full disclosure, they sent me to this theater to see it. And the whole thing with Screen X is that it's uh, the screen. There's two additional projectors that will project on the left and right walls. So you end up having a 270 degree viewing angle. So the screen is not only in front of you, but it goes, it wraps around. So it's on the sides too.
1: It seems a bit
0: much. Uh, it's actually, it, so when it works, it is very immersive. The idea of having the movie that you're watching be visible in your peripheral vision is, it's a really cool effect. Like, it really makes you feel like you're you're in it. There's no distractions. Except for the fact that there were a ton of distractions. Um, so we go in, and this is at a Regal. So we go in and we sit down, and I'm just looking around, and I'm like, this is a regular theater. There's, like, nothing. It was, like, one of the like kind of smaller theaters. Like, the chairs were shitty. Like, seemed like a regular theater. And there were no screens on the side or anything. And I thought they sent me the wrong tickets or something. Like I thought that there was a mistake that was made. Maybe I walked into the wrong theater, but I double checked the tickets, made sure the auditorium was right. My seats were right. And then like the, the trailers played and they were all just like on the, on the front screen. And then when the movie started up, there was this like bumper for screen X. And that's when the stuff was playing on the, on the walls. But the thing is, there wasn't, like, a screen. So it was just, like, the wall. And the problem with that is you have emergency lights that are mounted there. I was,
1: was going <laughs> are they projecting on the shit that's on the side yes, of the wall? Yes, they
0: were. So not, oh, so not yeah. only were there emergency lights on the left and right side, but there were exit signs, too. So... Anytime I would sort of look over to the left or right, I would just focus on the red exits, the the lit up red exit signs. Also, because the theater was smaller, the fact that you had the front screen and then two projectors on each side, it like sort of lit up the theater more. So whenever it would happen, like the whole room got brighter and it, and it felt that that was sort of an immersion breaker too. Then, to top it all off, it didn't didn't activate throughout the whole movie. So, only certain scenes were in this, like, screen X thing. So, there would be, like, a five-minute scene where it would just be the front screen, nothing on the sides, darkness. Then, we cut, and all of a sudden, there's shit on the left and right sides that's happening. And the fact that (laughs) it would periodically turn on and off... Uh, every single time that would happen, it would instantly break the immersion because when it flips on, because after it's on for like 10 minutes and there are some longer sequences where it just stays on when it's on for that long, you lose yourself in the movie and you aren't really, you're not distracted by what's happening on the side. You're just sort of in it. Right. But, but then, when it turns off for a while, you have to reacclimate. Okay. Now it's just in front of me. And then it turns back on and you're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. It's okay. We're back on now. So it's just this big distraction. I was, (laughs) I think that it's a promising technology and it, and it's cool. But the fact that it seems
1: like it seems like something you had to do throughout,
0: right? If it was on the whole time. So if they made the whole movie in screen X, I think it would have worked a lot better. Because after like the first five minutes or so, I wasn't really paying attention to the exit lights and all of that stuff. Because I think that the key to enjoying it is to still focus your gaze on the screen in front of you. But just let the stuff on the sides, um, just let that wash over you sort of. Um, Yeah. And so when it's when it works, when it's on, it works really well. Uh, but I can't I, I think unless the movie is specifically designed for screen X, I can't really recommend it, especially if it turns on and off periodically throughout the movie. And and it was also random, too. So there, there'd be whole action scenes that didn't use it. And then like a scene that's not action at all. That's just like a a, you know, normal scene of like plot that did use it like they're walking through uh like this file room for instance they're looking for these files in one scene and that had it and then like there's this other action scene when you'd think that oh man this would be perfect for it it turned off so yeah really inconsistent i don't know i wrote a whole thing about it on uh the site so you can check it out but uh yeah captain marvel pretty average
1: so that Screen X thing sounds really unnecessary.
0: Yeah, and I think it also... It would be better if they utilized better seats. And I, I understand that Screen X is just the, the screens. But the fact that, like, Dolby, for instance... Like, if you've ever been to a Dolby theater, they do, like, the seats... uh, The, the, the seats recline, and then, like, the sound is, like, outstanding. It's so precise. And then also, with Dolby theaters, they have, I think the best image quality of any theater that I've been to. If they utilize I I, those other things I think they could be a better experience too.
1: And I think the unfortunate thing for them is, and this is them being idiots as always, the cost effectiveness of it. Like, it sounds like screen X would be great if, but you have to essentially build the theater, right? to fit screen X, like you can't just pop screen X into existing theaters. Yeah.
0: And if you see the images, like I put a couple of the like promotional images in my review that I put up, it, it looks like in those promotional images that it does have actual screens that are on the sides and not just the wall. Cause I,
1: I'm thinking if you do something kind of like a, like a circular screening room, right where it's kind of wrapped to you with the, you know, a full screen taking up everything. I think that that could work, but then again, you got to spend so much fucking money just to build these things in the hope right. that screen X will catch on and people will fucking love it.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that it's, I think it's better than like D box or four DX. I, I, I don't Deep. I don't think those are very... Those, those, to me, are obvious gimmicks. Screen X is a less obvious gimmick, and I think that when it's on and it's working, it's cool. Like, it's cool that you have such a huge viewing angle and you can look at stuff that's happening. I mean, a lot of it is just like... Because this movie obviously wasn't shot for Screen X in mind, a lot of this stuff is yeah. just like... Sort of out of focus background stuff, right? They sort of just extend the background, but yeah, s- s- some s- some of the stuff they actually extend onto the uh, the other screens. But
1: it has potential though, because you could do like some horror stuff, right? Uh, like hor- where you kind of have to like search the screen, yeah, like you know, you kind of got to like look around and actually be involved with what's going on. Yeah,
0: in in my review, I said I think like animated movies would be really good for it. Like I imagine movies like, uh, movies that animated movies that take place in like big cities where there's like all kinds of stuff happening, uh, or nature documentaries, I think would be really cool. You know, like, like one of the Disney nature movies would be really cool to do in that, in that style. But yeah, unless, unless you're making the movie with screen X in mind, I think that it's not going to be as effective Still better than D box and 40x. Throwing that
1: out there. Oh well, yeah, because D box is the dumbest thing that's anyone ever. I want to know who came up with D box. <laughs> yeah, it's. I still think. And I, I'm. I hope that they've been fired, but I know that they've been pro, probably been promoted like five times over.
0: Well, yeah, because they charge a lot more for the D box tickets. The tickets for ScreenX, I think, are twenty five dollars, which for for New York, that's pretty standard for a new movie. Yeah. Might be a little bit more, but D box is like or, or 4DX is like $35 or $40 or something like that. It's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, but in Screen X does it says your does your chair nope, shimmy. Nope, it doesn't. It'll be able to do a little shimmy. It does not shimmy move doesn't shake
0: you. Doesn't move. And that, that was oh, a, that was like I was expecting like better seats at least.
1: Are you watch are you really watching a fucking movie then Adam if your chair's not shaking <laughs> I guess not. not I mean I kind of get that at my theater but it's just because my chairs are broken
0: well yeah like that that was actually <laughs> happening in this theater too like the chairs had a little give to them so they so they went back a little bit but that the the, the <laughs> weren't supposed the to. leg room was so tight that anytime someone would come in or out of the aisle behind me it would it would like jostle me really hard. Nice. It was just a bad theater. I mean, it was... I I prefer... I've said it before. I think that Dolby is the preferred experience for any movie. Like, any big blockbuster type movie I go see, if I can, I see it in Dolby. Like, that's yeah. the preferred method for me.
1: All right. Well, I have one. This is my last one. But it's also a superhero movie, and we touched on it a little bit at the beginning. Because I decided not to watch Starfish, and instead watch. What is it? Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse? Yeah. Is that the right title? That's what I just call it. I was hoping that that was correct. Into the Spider-Verse, I think. Into the Spider-Verse. And, uh, man, I'm really happy that I made this decision because I fucking loved it. Isn't it incredible? I love it so much. I love the look of it. It just looks amazing. It's just fantastic to watch, to just have it, you know, pour over me, in front of me. Just the colors and the vibrancy and the movements and everything. And then the music, too. You know, you get hit with black alicious pretty early Mm -hmm. on with (laughs) Chemistry Calisthenics. And then you get hit with some Black Sheep in there, too. Oh, yeah. And they're cutting it up. Oh, my God. It's just the only thing. eh, I mean. I think that like some people kind of like this, but the only thing that I did not like was Spider-Ham. I just hated Spider-Ham. He had a,
0: f- a couple funny lines, but yeah, I It
1: just it, it like it kind of took me out of it where it's just like it, are we not we're not taking it seriously anymore? Like is this not a fun thing that we're doing? Like I don't it it just it seems like we might have taken the needle just a bit too far with having fun yeah. and now we end up with something like spider ham, where it's just like, this is not working for me. Like a, a spider ham, just no thank you.
0: I I didn't mind oh. it. I, I thought that he was in it. it. It's not like he was in it so much that it got too annoying to me. And also I like the, the animation style from him is very, uh, very much a Ren Stimpy style. Mm -hmm. If you you actually buy this, I I bought it on iTunes and it has like all these special features and they have a short film that's like a Spider-Ham short film. And it's, I haven't looked it up, but I'm almost 100% certain it's the Ren and Stimpy guys that did the animation.
1: Yeah, it definitely looked like it. When they do his little origin story type thing. Mm -hmm. One other thing, they, they... it's kind of the music, but it's more so like the, like the sound effects type deal for the prowler. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, I love the the just the sounds that were going on. like his little soundtrack that he would have anytime he would pop up, mm-hmm. and just man, it's just it's so much fun. Yeah, the
0: the way that they did the score in this movie is really great. So they did like a an actual like live orchestral score like a like a normal movie but then they had a dj remix the whole thing and yes. put this like hip-hop spin on it and with, so they had them like scratching the the orchestral score and stuff and just there were so many little details in this movie and it was just so meticulous in in how it was created and how it was crafted. Like I, so I've seen it twice. I I'm sure that I'll go back to it and watch it again. There's it's a, it's the type of movie where every time you watch it, you pick up on more nuances that they put in. And like the Easter eggs, there's so many Easter eggs that they threw in that Lord Miller threw in just for fun. And it's, it's incredible.
1: Oh, I'm sure there's a ton of Easter eggs.
0: and And also it's, it's different too, you know, it's not your standard like Pixar style CG animation. Like they actually were like, okay, how can we make this feel like it's a living comic book? And the idea that they, um, they animated, they didn't animate every frame. They skipped frames. I think it was like, turned out that it was like 20 frames per second or something like that, where they sort of They skipped frames to make it feel more um, comic book-like. Yeah. I I loved it. I love everything about that movie.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely definitely works. And again, it was one of those things where, you know, pretty much everything I've heard about this movie has been how amazing it is. Like, I don't really think I've heard any, like, negative reviews for this. And of course there's always that little party view where it's like well, it can't be that great right like i'm sure it's i'm sure it's good or at the very least it's fine but it can't be that great and within like five minutes of watching this thing i was just like a huge smile on my face like yeah yeah it is <laughs> i love this <laughs> yeah. I just i don't want this to stop
0: yeah i mean i hope they're i mean they're making sequels and i just hope that there's and I don't know if you saw. I, I should have told you this when before you watched it, but after the credits, there's like this really cool stinger at the end. Uh, if you watch all the way through to the end,
1: oh okay, I'll have to. It's a I'll have to go back.
0: To yeah, that. it's a really great stinger that they put in all the way at the very, very end. It's uh, it's phenomenal.
1: Okay, so with with that in mind, starfish, did I make the right ch- starfish? Did I make the right choice? Yeah, so.
0: Uh, you did. I watched Starfish. Uh, I will have a review for this up this week. Uh, it may be up by the time this comes out, this publishes. Um, it. So Starfish is a semi-horror movie. I think that it's a little bit deceptive to call it a horror movie. Um, and I think it's a little bit to a disservice to this movie because it it's, doesn't really aim to be a horror movie. It's a sci-fi drama with some horror elements. It's essentially about this young woman who, uh, her, she loses her best friend, her best friend passes away and she's dealing with the, the grief and the trauma of losing a loved one. And it just so happens that right after her best friend passes away, the, the apocalypse occurs and it leaves her, essentially alone in the world there's uh, everyone is gone uh, there's these alien creatures that are out roaming and sh- so she has to stay inside it turns out that she's at her her friend's apartment and she finds this tape that says something along the lines of this mixtape will save the world mm-hmm So she has, so she listens to the mixtape and she has to sort of figure out what, what her friend was up to before she passed away. And it, she finds, eventually she runs out of food. So she has to sort of go out and try to find food. And she ends up finding more mixtapes as she goes along. And each one of them have different songs on them. And then there's like different clues as to what she needs to do to save the world. Of course, this is all just a metaphor for her, her grief and her sadness. And Mm -hmm. uh, some of it works. The music is really, is really good for the most part. It's very focused on the music and it is a, it's very surreal in that there's a lot of these sort of just random dream like sequences that feature a lot of uh, surreal imagery all of it looks very, very gorgeous. I mean, some of the shots in this movie are just, uh, incredible. They look like music videos. That being said, this is sort of, this is the, uh, the director AT white. It's his first feature feels a little bit like a, a film school movie. It, it's it got a little bit too much going on in the like visuals department. Like it's just, he throws in the kitchen sink. Like he tries everything in this movie and a lot of it just doesn't really work. There's this 5-minute animated sequence that happens for really no apparent reason. Uh there's like this scene where the, she breaks the fourth wall and that just feels unnecessary and the script itself is fairly thin. Like there's not a lot happening with the narrative itself. It's mostly just like these dreamlike vignettes that are that are occurring Mm. so a little bit of a a mixed bag i think you would hate it like you you would not this is not a kevin movie
1: i did it i made the right decision the you
0: do you do see the creatures uh and they they look really cool uh they're cg but they the design they're well designed and the animation is pretty good and there's there's some other effects that that happen that are that are cool. Mostly like just random things that like float in slow motion and stuff. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the scenes are uh, really beautiful, but mm, overall, a little bit of a, a little bit of a mixed bag for me. Yeah. Uh, that that comes out this week. I think it's like. Doing a really limited run. Maybe it's like one of these. It's like doing a tour, maybe like a theatrical tour or something. Okay, It, gotcha. it played Fantastic Fest. And uh, so, yeah, if it sounds like something that would interest you, give it a look. It's called Starfish. All right. Let's take a look at what's coming out in theaters this week. We have Starfish coming out. We have Wonder Park coming out. Uh, starfish comes out on the 13th wonder park comes out on the 15th as does five feet apart nancy drew and the hidden staircase wonder park looks pretty bad by the way i saw a number of trailers for that and it's just does not look very good
1: i saw one trailer for wonder park which really confused me because it I felt as though like I should know something about Wonder Park, but I know absolutely nothing about Wonder Park. Like it just kind of drops you in like this. All this is common knowledge, (laughs) but I don't know what the fuck Wonder Park is.
0: It's about like this girl when she was younger, she had a really active imagination and she created this imaginary theme park with her mom. And then when she gets older... She loses that imagination and then she sort of stumbles upon the this actual park and like it sort of manifested itself in into real life somehow.
1: Okay. Now that my question is though, is cause the trailer gave this to me that like this is a like a popular thing. Like is this oh, something that's pretty, I
0: don't think so. Like what
1: <laughs> like that's what I mean. It was just it was it felt like this is this really popular thing and now it's finally a movie. And I'm just like, I don't know what I've never heard of Wonder Park. I don't think so, but I could
0: be wrong. I'm not, I'm not really up to date on children's properties.
1: Yeah. I think that's one thing that, uh, for us as like film people, we're, we're kind of out of touch is we don't have kids, so we don't know what's like right really going on with kids right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know what's up with that Paw Patrol thing and all of that stuff. (laughs) What's a Paw Patrol?
1: (laughs) I know a lot of kids love Paw Patrol. Yeah. (laughs) I know that much, at least.
0: Uh, Let's see. We have Captive State comes out. That's the alien invasion one that I really didn't know anything about this. I feel like this one just sort of crept up out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if it's going to be any good. It's directed by uh, Rupert Wyatt, who did Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Okay. I,
1: That's interesting. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about this. It looks okay, I guess. John Goodman's in it, so at least you got that.
1: You're going to get Goodman.
0: Yeah. You know that much. Uh, we have Ashes the Purest White. Uh, yes we got the highwayman which is going to be on netflix okay the aftermath we got the mustang that's the horse not the car
1: oh okay
0: we have mission of honor which looks like it was also called at one point hurricane Ooh. looks like a war movie well
1: i was gonna say
0: the hummingbird project Coming out in limited release, I believe this is the one with uh, Alexander Skarsgård and Jesse Eisenberg and Selma Hayek about it's like about a company who a, a company that wants to run a fiber optic line from like Wall Street to somewhere else so that they could have faster like trades
1: Okay.
0: Build a straight fiber optic cable line between Kansas and New Jersey right. in order to make trades faster, <sighs> like several milliseconds faster than other people.
1: Wow. I, I, I don't, know. A, <laughs> I don't uh, know about that. They they wanna they went ahead and made a move about I that. I think Alex. the
0: interesting thing is that Alexander Skarsgard is bald in this. Like he's he's like a <laughs> bald man in this.
1: He's gotta do what he can. To make the acting better. This
0: seems like a Netflix movie. I don't know why this isn't a
1: Netflix movie. Are you sure it's not? It's not, not but... It, because it sounds it, like yeah. this would be part of his 10 picture deal. Exactly. <laughs> uh,
0: we have The Sex Trip, uh, Iceman, Chimera Strain, Knife Plus Heart. This is one I'm actually interested in. This is a uh, sort of like a a Giallo style movie.
1: I've I've heard good thing. Yeah.
0: Um, I'll definitely be covering this more next week. Takes place in 1979 Paris. Oh boy. Yeah. Maybe we'll cover that next week. Who knows?
1: Hey, Hey, it sounds like I haven't heard anything so far that sounds interesting. So I think it might be knife plus heart.
0: Finding Steve McQueen. Faith. Hope and Love,
1: Never... Oh, maybe that's the one. <laughs> that's the, <laughs> that's one. the that's one. That's we the got. ticket. We'll double that up with the Fiber Optics movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Vios movie.
0: <laughs> uh, Never Grow Old, K- Combat Obscura, and it looks like that's it for theaters coming up this week. And then VOD, we have... The Glorious Seven, this is on the 12th, Welcome to Acapulco, Woods Rider, Madonna and the Breakfast Club, that's a documentary about uh, Madonna's first band that she was in.
1: Okay.
0: And then on the 13th, we have Triple Frontier. This is on Netflix. This is the one with uh, Oscar Isaac and Ben Affleck and... Uh who else is in this? There's like several several big people
1: in this. Could be good. So, so no. I think the the circumstances is what you're telling me that it's garbage.
0: Hard to say. I <laughs> I, I, I really garbage. don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't want to write every Netflix movie off.
1: Gonna be garbage. I can feel it.
0: Charlie Hunnam, Just... Garrett Headland, and Pedro pesco Mmm. Then on the fifteenth we have nothing to do. The Iceman, and it looks like that's pretty much it for VOD coming up this week. And then on Blu-ray we have Fantastic Beasts: The Crimes of Grindelwald.
1: Mm, mm-hmm.
0: Get yep. your get your Grindelwald fix in there. Correct. That's we have Green Book.
1: Oh man. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep green book Be- best 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 picture winner best picture 2018 green book directed by peter Farrelly.
1: oh my god shallow
0: how was on tv the other night and the whole time i just kept saying oscar winner oscar winning director <laughs> here from the oscar winning director shallow how
1: i wonder how his brother feels I,
0: th- I thought about that numerous times during this whole, you know, hype train for green book and everybody was talking about it. Like wh- where's, uh, what's his brother's name? Bobby.
1: Yeah. What? And I just,
0: uh,
1: oh, man, it was just, it feels like a, like a defiance pick from the Academy.
0: Well, I don't know if you saw that times article where they interviewed, Academy voters and some of the stuff that they said, I mean, it was like horrendous. Uh, If you, if you thought, I mean, mean, if you thought that the, the Oscars were bad, if you read that article and read some of the stuff that people said, like it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's such a
1: terrible, terrible thing. Like, I just, I don't understand how it's still like relevant. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Cover, and covered the way in which it is.
0: Yep. All right. We also have Mortal Engines. We got Someone to Watch Over Me from 1987. This, I believe, is going to be a uh, Shout Factory, Shout Selects title. Neighbors from 1981. Yeah. Sheena from 1984. Colobos from 1999 coming out on Arrow. This is one that I'm interested yeah. in. Man's Best Friend from 1993. I think we had Ryan watch that, yeah.
1: I was going to say, isn't that a a side dork?
0: Yeah. Yes,
1: it is. Yeah, it is.
0: I believe it is. Shout Factory is putting that one out as well. So it's probably got some cool bonus content. Showdown from 1993 is coming out on the MVD Rewind Collection. I covered a couple of their releases in the past on the site and I, I really like the uh titles that they're putting out on this MVD Rewind collection. It's all like sort of nineties, it's all nineties stuff. And it's all like sort of straight to video or like not very, very well received but cult status type movies from the nineties. Like they did Double Dragon and Bram Stoker's Shadow Builder. Oh, okay. So interesting stuff. And they all include like posters and stuff. It's, it's cool. Um, all right. We got the prisoner from 1955. This is another arrow release. Uh, this is on their arrow Academy label. I believe the miseducation of Cameron post is coming out. If you haven't seen that yet, I would recommend it. Jesus.
1: about fucking. Time. I know that that
0: was, <laughs> man, I saw that movie so long ago.
1: And, I, and I've been sitting here patiently waiting.
0: Oh, you know, your time has come.
1: You know, it's, now it's here. Just got to fit it in in between the fiber optics movie.
0: <laughs> a songwriter from 1984 is coming out. That's on that one. Uh, we talked about it a couple weeks ago that whatever collection that Milk Creek Is it Mill Creek Entertainment? That's who this is credited as, but it's like that VHS collection where the Blu-ray cases look like VHS cases.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember you talking about them.
0: Um, piercing is coming out from last year. That's the one with uh, Christopher Abbott and Mia Wasikowska. I really liked that. That that one's worth checking out. Tyrell's coming out. You can go back and listen to our review. For, for that one. Pretty solid. Sorry, The Greasy Strangler is coming out. Uh, this is a special director's edition. Not sure what that means.
1: Fuck that. <laughs> bullshit artist. Fucking <laughs> <Okay>. bullshit artist. <laughs> that whole fucking movie.
0: That's pretty much all I have. What about Criterions? Are there any Criterions this week?
1: We have two Criterions. The first one is you have... Uh, Igmar Bergman's adaptation of a Mozart opera, Magic Flute from 1975. You're going to have uh, on there, you get a interview for Swedish TV back from 1974. Got a new interview with film scholar Peter Cowie, feature-length making of Doc, and, of course, the essay. They always got those essays. The second one here, uh, The Kid Brother from 1927. This is directed by Ted Wilde. This is uh, Harold Lloyd doing a Western back in the 20s. The, The special features on this thing are, they're out of control. It's just a long, long list. You have an orchestra score from 1989 that you can listen to with the movie. There's also an archival organ score that you can listen to. So you have two scores. That you could listen to on this thing or just listen to it silent, I guess. You have auto commentary, there's a new conversation, there's two different video essays, there's behind the scenes stills, there's a Dutch TV interview with Harold Lloyd from 1962, there's a featurette about Lloyd's estate from 2005, there's two early shorts uh, of Harold Lloyd with pipe organ scores and discussions of the film formats and then of course the asset like that's a ridiculous amount of bonus features wow yeah it's it might be too much it might be too much i don't know if it's ever too much kevin <laughs> yeah. i mean i don't know if it's ever like, too that's much that's like a, that's that's a whole week of just sitting down i i, I will
0: say like when i do Blu-ray reviews. So I I typically only review Criterion's and like Arrow releases, like specialty items. I I don't usually review just regular Blu-rays because often, sounds- yeah, often it's just like, <laughs> what am I supposed to review? Like I'm just going to review the movie because they don't these days. They don't put special features on, or if they do, they're like pretty crappy. So sometimes when I'll get one and I'll look and see like oh there's 5 hours of bonus content great especially if it's like cuz sometimes i'll just you know um get get a blu-ray that i of a movie i never even saw before and sometimes it's a movie i don't like and so i'll be like oh great now i have to watch 5 hours of bonus content about a movie i wasn't even fond of
1: yeah there is there is a there's a, a sweet spot for bonus features and this is only uh i'm only talking about this in terms of reviewing blu-rays right like owning and just doing your thing yeah ton loaded up Pac-Man loaded on seven discs i don't give a shit but when you're reviewing it like when you get it and like if i was reviewing the kid brother and i saw this list of bonus features i would be really unhappy
0: absolutely
1: All right. I think that's going to do
0: it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse is the address. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber for just $1 or more a month. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. (laughs)